listener production. Signs of improving US economic momentum sends US stocks lower at the end of last week. And Aussie shares are set to open lower on Monday, ahead of a central bank bonanza. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday, the 18th of September. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. So in terms of uh, the fortunes of Northern Hemisphere markets at the end of last week, Ryan, let's just quickly run through the numbers. Uh, US markets, the Dow Jones down 0.8%, the S&P 500, a decent knock, down 1.2%. But uh, that was outdone by the NASDAQ, which was down by... 1.6% 1.6% in weekly terms. Uh, we had the NASDAQ down by 0.4%, the S&P 500 down 0.2%, and the Dow Jones uh, just in positive territory, up by around 0.1%. So if you were to just provide a headline summary, it's like the economic news in the US seems to be improving. And that's sort of creating some consternation about where rates might peak. Absolutely. So it's going to be a huge week for central banks. We've got the US Federal Reserve handing down its interest rate decision this week. Alongside that, we've got decisions in the United Kingdom, Scandinavia, Switzerland, and Japan. So we've got quite the week ahead. And what we did see on Friday, Tom, was a big focus on inflation expectations, particularly in the United States. So what we did see there was an improvement. So that's really important because That sets the tone for consumer spending, really. So we did see consumers expect inflation to subside in the coming year, as seen in the University of Michigan report that showed that consumers' 12-month inflation expectations fell to 3.1% in September. That's the lowest since March 2021. However, we do have some flies in the ointment in relation to to inflation. We'll get to oil in a moment. But I suppose the other aspect of things is that in recent times, we've been seeing a number of... uh, coincident indicators, I suppose, that all have an arrow pointing upwards at at an angle sometimes, or perhaps even uh, maybe an acute angle, but still the direction is pointing up for the US economy. The latest iteration of that being the Empire State Manufacturing Index, an important barometer of manufacturing activity in the northeast of the United States. This measure was expected to be well in negative territory, and it just got into positive territory. But Ryan, um, the significance being the turnaround that we have seen most recently in that measure of activity. So we did see that measure up from minus 19 in August to plus 1.9 in September. So we saw new orders pick up and we have seen some weakness in the manufacturing sector, which comprises about 11% of the US economy on the back of a slowdown in goods demand with those interest rates lifting. But of course, there are some clouds on the horizon. We've got a strike that is potentially going to disrupt motor vehicle production in the United States with the most affected companies being Ford and, of course, General Motors, along with Chrysler. Yes. So, like you think, oh, well, that's a car strike. What's that going to mean for the US economy? The manufacturing of cars, according to the uh, peak bodies that are responsible for that sort of thing in the US, 3% of US GDP, uh, just between Ford and GM, you've got about a percent of GDP wrapped up in those two organizations. So, United Auto Workers Union... Uh, has a little bit of leverage here uh, at an unwelcome moment in the narrative. Indeed. And what it all means, of course, is that we may see some wage increases on the back of this if the strike action is successful. So that would then feed into inflation, which would be unwelcome from a US Federal Reserve perspective. The other thing to note as well, that this is occurring at a time when motor vehicle and parts output decreased by 5% in August. So we're already seeing that sector under a little bit of pressure already. So this will add to it. Indeed. So just on that score, we did see a 
decent bump higher in bond yields over the course of the session. And in weekly terms, you had a two-year note up by five basis points to 5.04% and eight basis points to 4.34% for a 10-year note. The important thing to note here is that you've got both long and short-term US interest rates bumping up against the ceiling that they have established in recent times, meaning that uh, they are as high as they have been in recent history. That trend is not welcome. That would be the sort of thing that would be uh, well, it was very definitely creating headwinds for stocks on Friday. It's just a question of whether or not they continue to march higher. And the way that you're looking at oil prices move, Ryan, that's not great either. No. So we saw oil prices at 10-month highs again on Friday. And what we did see is futures pricing in higher rates for longer ahead of the Federal Reserve's policy meeting this week. And of course, it's running up against a resilient US economy and inflation that's still above target. Importantly, economists are now estimating that the core personal consumption expenditures price index, this measure is used by the US Federal Reserve to track inflation. So it's very important and they, and they target a 2% rate for this measure. And what economists are currently met, estimating is that has eased this measure to 3.8% over the 12 months to August. So coming under 4% for the first time in a while, but that's still almost double the US Federal Reserve's 2% target, which means when they meet this week, although they're unlikely to change interest rates and, and keep them at the current levels, it's likely to be a hawkish hold. They're likely to signal that they've still got the possibility of one more rate hike this year. That will be most represented in what's called the dot plot, where they put their forecast or the policymakers for their interest rate projections for the rest of this year. And you could argue, Ryan, that given what we have seen uh, in relation to say in the US, improved activity, you've got energy prices higher. Even if the Fed does pause, the markets could very well ignore that and they will be thinking to the next step, which could be the next campaign of rate hikes, which might not be, well, won't be as aggressive as what we've seen in the last 12 months, but it will still be a campaign of rate hikes to readjust interest rates to a higher level. That's troubling. Yes, and that's the concern at the moment is how long interest rates will remain at these levels. So that'll be the key focus of the US Federal Reserve's meeting. And of course, we have heard from central bankers most recently at Jackson Hole where they said the rate of inflation remains too high and they're prepared to tighten more if necessary to get that under control. So that'll be a key focus for this meeting. We also get an update on economic growth, unemployment and inflation figures, and we're expecting to see a revision up in the economic growth forecast as the US economy continues to be resilient. So the market's expecting the Fed to do nothing this week. What happens if they raise rates by a quarter of a cent? A hawkish tone would keep US Treasury yields elevated, and that would dull the allure of stocks, and that would support the US dollar. Yeah. So, I mean, we've spoken about factors that are pointing to either increased activity or um, higher rates. On the other side of that equation, we heard from an important company at the end of last week, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. It's the most important maker of computer chips in the world. Indeed, Tom, it's asked its major vendors to delay delivery. So this is really important because, of course, chips and semiconductors are really at the forefront of what's going on, particularly with the discussions around artificial intelligence and the like. And what we did see is the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index slide by 3% on these reports. And we did see chip makers like NVIDIA down 3.7% and advanced micro devices lose 4.8% on the back of this. So 
They were major drags on the NASDAQ index, which was down by 218 points on Friday. I suppose something of a theme that we've unpicked in this conversation is leading indicators. And uh, certainly uh, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index is a leading indicator of activity as much as anything else. Um, And uh, it is down by about 7% since early September. So that's worth keeping an eye on. Another important leading indicator to some extent is Apple. And it continued to have a bad week last week. It was down by more than 3%. It's down by about 11% from its July peak. And now it is moving into an interesting area that bears concentration because that area around $170 per share would be um, a major support level that breaks down through that area. Uh, that will be interesting to see. How do you square those two outcomes? You know, the whole chip making cohort under pressure, that's not an indicator that the economy is firing on all cylinders. Well, there's two things really going on at the moment. There is the geopolitical risks around semiconductors and chip makers with China. Also, at the same time, we're seeing two-year treasury yields in the United States above 5%. So those rising yields are putting pressure on those growth names and mega caps. So Meta Platforms is down 3.7% on Friday as well. The question is whether that tech leadership, which we've seen this year on the back of the AI frenzy, will continue. We did also have a bit of choppiness on Friday with the $4 trillion US dollar options event. So that amplified volatility. And of course, that happened at a time uh, where we did see some benchmark rebalancing for the S&P 500 index. So these derivative contracts are tied to stocks. And when these options and futures expire as they did, that compels traders to roll over their existing positions or to start new ones. And as I mentioned, this coincides with the rebalancing of the S&P 500 index. So let me just explain that for the um, civilians. Uh, What Ryan is talking about there is a huge uh, expiry of derivatives in the futures market. And what that means is that when that happens, there are opposing sides to that transaction in what we call the physical market, the share market. And uh, the way that those positions are wrangled can often create some volatility. Very good explanation, Tom. It's probably underselling it a little bit in terms of its complexity, but uh, it'll do. European markets, uh, they did a lot better on Friday compared to their US counterparts, mainly because of the uh, improved pulse of news out of China, and that helped uh, markets across the board. You had the uh, UK market up by a half of 1%, the French market up by a little under a percent, the German market up by about a half of 1%, and uh, the Stock 600 index up by a quarter of a percent. So in weekly terms, the stock 600 doing quite nicely, up 1.6%. Mining, financials, and energy stocks were the most improved over the course of the week. But as you might reasonably uh, imagine, real estate stocks suffered because of rising rates, as did technology and retail names. Yes, it's all about China on Friday, and that was reflected in European performance. So what we did see on Friday was some upside surprises for retail spending and also for industrial output in China for the month of August. We saw industrial production accelerate to 4.5% year-on-year, and retail sales surprised to a larger extent, jumping 4.6% year-on-year, up from 2.5% in July. So what we are seeing at the moment is those upside surprises reflecting that the economy slump may be starting to bottom in China. I know it's very early. One summer, a swallow does not make, as they say, but uh, it was enough to just at least consolidate that sentiment 
um, which had been quite negative and combined with the most recent initiatives on the part of Chinese authorities to try and support the Chinese economy. That was welcome news and it was reflected in European trade. I suppose the conduit for that optimism tends to be the luxury names because things are doing well. People, obviously, the first thing you want to do is go and buy a Chanel handbag, right? (laughs) We saw French luxury names Kering and LVMH climb between 1.8% and 2.5% on the back of that. And of course, mining sector stocks were amongst the leaders when it came to the performance of European share markets. Iron ore rose for a fifth day. It's now the highest level since April at the moment. It's at 121.29 US dollars a tonne. It was up 0.6% on Friday. And that reflects that optimism for infrastructure demand amid a seasonal pickup in construction that usually lasts until the end of October. We've got Golden Week in China coming up at the end of this month, so it's pulling forward demand at the moment. So the all Brent price ended up 0.2% to 93.93 US dollars a barrel, as I said earlier, at 10-month highs. And also we did see the gold price up by 0.7% to 1946.20 US dollars an ounce on safe haven demand amongst those concerns around those strikes in the United States. And the Aussie dollar has also eased somewhat. We did see the Aussie dollar fall from 64.71 cents to 64.24 cents on Friday and is currently trading around 64.3 US cents. And in terms of our market today, we don't really have any economic data being released, but in company news, coal miner New Hope Corp releases earnings, shares of Cochlear Tradex dividend and could be lower. That's it for us. Thanks for joining us and have a fantastic day and week ahead. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.